0: Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. Today's guest is Dr. Jean Houston, Internationally known for her work in the field of human capacities and a principal founder of the Human Potential Movement. Noted for her ability to combine a deep knowledge of history, culture, science, comedy, spirituality, and human development, she has authored over 30 books, including my favorites, Jump Time, A Mythic Life, Learning to Live Our Greater Story, and Mystical Dogs. (laughs) Buckminster Fuller once said, Jean's mind should be considered a national treasure. While the world knows this illustrious side of Jean, a true Renaissance woman, if there ever was one, I've benefited from the personal caring side of her, the side that mentors young and old, challenging us to manifest our highest potential. We're very lucky today to have Jean help us kick off this new year and new decade. These days, when we often feel we don't have enough time, Jean takes a fresh approach to the question of time itself. Her topic is The Miraculous Possibilities of Transforming Time. Welcome to the show, Jean.
1: Thank you so much, Jane.
0: Well, I'd like to start with, you have a philosophy about time itself. Could you explain a little more about time?
1: Well, you know, I think my so-called philosophy arises from my fascination with some of the discoveries of quantum physics, which suggests very strongly that time past, time present, time future are simultaneous Hmm. in ways that we can't understand because we're all addicted to the arrow of time, one darn thing after the other, the past going relentlessly into the future. But quantum physics says, no, 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 it's all there. I mean, if you recall that uh, T.S. Eliot talked about time past and time future are gathered in time present. So this got me thinking, how can we use these innate, often unused human capacities to work and play with time? We think of time, for example, as chronos, one thing after another. But time also has, to use another favorite Greek word, Kairos. Kairos. Kairos is the loaded time. It's the potent time. It's the time in which things happen, both in our lives, as well, I believe, in the times that we're living in now. We are living in Kairos time, or as I like to say, Kairotic time, the passion of the loaded time.
0: I see time as, we often think of it as like a metronome, you know, ticking away Mm -hmm. minutes, hours, days, and we never have enough of it. And yet you're talking about something very different.
1: Well, I'm talking about (laughs) being very human about time. I mean, just just think about the way you have fast time, you have slow time, you have uh, time of transformation, you have time of loss, you have angst, anxiety time. You have a kind of extraordinary time of celebration, celebrational time, like we're in now, you know. I mean, you, you name some other times that you have found in your life, Jane.
0: Uh, well, when I'm at the dentist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> dentist time, yeah. Major category, dentist right. time.
0: So what do you recommend people do for to change the time?
1: Well, you begin to look at the enormous potencies of time. And one thing that I've done, and perhaps we can demonstrate it here, is find ways of using time very differently. I mean, for example, I have, as you know, a very complex life. (laughs) I I think I'm, in terms of my experiences, I feel like I'm 275 years old. And it just keeps compounding, it doesn't go away. So I've had to devise for myself and then for people who are my students, ways of using time differently. For example, to experience in a short period of time, a lot of things. I mean, my late husband, he would have incredible dreams, and maybe the dream, I might even test him, he'd fall asleep, and he'd go to sleep for 10 minutes, and then he would come back and say, oh, I've had so many, oh, it's been so wonderful, and I said, well, tell me about your dream, Bob sitting on the edge of the bed, (laughs) well, and out would unfold something that could have been like the, the great books of the Iliad and the Odyssey and the great adventures of all the heroes that ever were, and traveling not only all over the world, into other worlds, and maybe only ten minutes by clock time had gone by. And then he would say, well, Jean, what did you dream? I said, uh, uh I walked the dog. <laughs> no. Because in the end of his life, towards the end of his life particularly, when his, his external life was very quiet as whereas mine is such a speed up in ordinary calendar time that I've had to deep down, deepen down into realms of myself where there was a sufficiency of time. Whether it was to write books or lectures or solve problems or whatever.
0: So can you just give um, people that may not know about this a little capsulated oh, version sure. of how you get sure, sure, into sure. that?
1: Well, all right, I, I start with a story. When I. Try to talk about these things. When I was 19, I had a terrible hobby. I used to jump out of planes oh. I mean, with a parachute. Oh. <laughs> they were very cheap in those days. It was $5 a jump. And you know, and, uh, you, know you, you didn't have very much training. They took you to a barn, and they taught you how to jump into the hay you know, from the rafter and how to fold your parachute. Well, anyway... <laughs> So I had maybe, I don't know, nine or ten jumps and I was very happy and I went in one Saturday and I leaped out of the plane quite happily and I pulled the ripcord and nothing happened. (gasps) And I kept pouring and tugging away at this darn rip, nothing happened. And then my life went into another place and time. I was in life review and my whole life from zero to 19 seemed to go... Very passively and beautifully. And then either the parachute opened or we're having a conversation in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know that you had died, did you, Jane? Oh. Anyway. Anyway, then I looked at some of the other records of this kind of thing, the Swiss mountain climbers, the Swiss Alpine Club, has many, many variations on this because people would fall off the mountain and expect to die and get caught on a tree or something, you know and remember that. Well, this being so, I said, I, you know, I can teach people to do this. And so by this time, my husband and I had done an enormous amount of work in hypnosis, trance states, altered states of consciousness. Yeah. So I would put a person into an altered state and say, I'm going to give you two minutes of clock time equals subjectively to all the time you need to take a trip around the world or something like that.
0: Right.
1: And In most cases, if I have a room of 100 people, at least 80, 85 would be able to do it. And they would come back with these wonderful tales. Well, I crossed the Indian Ocean, and I found myself in a... And then they would go on and on and on and tell me about all the things of the people. And sometimes people would go on for hours telling what happened, you know. Well, once I found out that people could do this, I then would take them to learning something studying something that would normally have taken them many many hours and I would take them into a place where they would meet a master teacher of some skill they had for example if I were to say to you who or what is the master teacher that you would work to help you increase your skills Because I know you have a lot of sporting skills
0: right Um, well actually it could just pop
1: up out of your imagination because somewhere in the universe, he or she or it probably exists. Yes. You You see, you have to work with the plenitude of uh, the varieties of existences in this huge universe of ours and that we are all interconnected. We're all part of a great giant hologram so we have access to everyone and everything. And somewhere in your mind, in your body, you have access to the optimal... Trainer in what? Skiing? I know you do ski.
0: Actually, I would like to talk to Buckminster Fuller. I mean, I think his ideas are so vast and so, and he had such a forward thinking idea about what the world could be. I mean, he would invent things. All right.
1: I tell you what I'm going to do. Do you want to go in for invention? Okay. Yes? Let's do it. Okay. Okay, close your eyes. And with you, I know because you've been a student of mine, you can do this very quickly you're going to enter into this realm where you're going to meet the master teacher and you find yourself at the top of a spiral staircase, a stone staircase going down and around and around and down and deeper and deeper and deeper until you get to a opening and you look up and it's just the whole ceiling is jeweled and each jewel represents one of your potentials of which you and I and everyone listening has many and you feel yourself engendered consecrated filled with the sheer beauty and dynamism of all these potentials but you see that there's a corridor and you walk down the corridor And there's a room with a name over it, and it says the name, the name is, the teacher is Buckminster Fuller. You open the door, and he is there. He's quite short, rather roundish, very jolly. And you ask him, and what are you asking him, Jane?
0: How can I learn to access the universe in the way that you do?
1: He laughs and laughs. He says, well, sit down, my girl. Just sit down and we'll do something. And in your case, because you know how to do this, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds of clock time, equal subjectively to all the time you need to work with the great Buckminster Fuller in accessing knowledge. And that thirty seconds begins now. So when you hear silence, it's actually Jane having her thirty seconds equals subjectively to all the time she needs to work with Bucky for her beginning now. And the thirty seconds are up, and what has happened?
0: (laughs) Wow! Well, that's—it's pretty vast. (laughs)
1: Give us just the
0: okay. There, first of all, there was uh, an emotion of excitement, of anticipation, Mm -hmm. and an expansion of a huge world opening up that um, I could access. So first the feeling and the spaciousness, and then all of the ideas that I wanted were there. I just had to, to like, drink them in or, or absorb them, and they were there. They're already there. I just, they were, it was amazing. So I think that skill of going there for any project that I'm doing or anything that I need a, a larger view of a worldview that for the future would come out of that
1: there you go you see thank you now make sure that when you go home you write this down and just and dive back into it and uh, you know ask for higher discernment of any particular idea Don't, don't let it just be stored on your supply of interesting experiences. Thank you. You know, Really go to work on it.
0: Good. <laughs> I thought this was about you, but apparently... <laughs> no, involved. what I'm
1: about, it's about, your, it's about me as a teacher, and that's primarily what I am. And teaching people how to do these things that normally they thought of as more mythic than real. Mythic is a good term, because a myth is something that never was, but is always happening. It's already the coded DNA of the human psyche that we are storied beings and we are here in this time of such whole system transition change to find the higher, the greater story.
0: So just to change the subject a little bit, how do you use, you go back in the past and out in the future. Mm -hmm. Talk about the malleability of past and future and present.
1: Well, if you believe, as I do, and as certain quantum physicists insist on, the time past, present, and future are, in fact, one great oneness. We live in a unified body-mind field called the universe. And we don't just live in the universe, the universe lives in us. And that means that shift attention on the spectrum of consciousness, and you can get to places where you do have access to much, much more. I, I think I once told you that I, at eight years old, I met Mr. Einstein, and uh, it was my, what was it, it was fourth, third or fourth grade class, and uh, it was in a Manhattan school. We went across to Princeton, and we sat down, and there was a blackboard filled with equations, and Mr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein came in, he sat down, he was very sweet, had a lot of hair, he had on, I thought, two different colored socks, you know, <laughs> seemed a little vague. <laughs> And uh, one of our, do you have any questions? <laughs> we just started out there. one of our really smart-aleck kids said, uh, Mr. Einstein, how can we get to be as smart as you? He said, ah, read fairy tales. Well, we didn't like that answer at all. Well, Mr. Einstein, how can we get to be smarter than you? Asked another kid. Oh, read more fairy tales. We, well, we were just appalled at those answers. Because we expected, you know, just dramatic unfolding of the wisdom of the universe. And then, of course, he he indicated it was really about imagination. Uh. Because imagination can take you into the universe, whereas just regular, linear, analytic, one darn thing after the other type of thinking just doesn't do it. We are contracted, compacted into a radical now, which doesn't exist anyway.
0: So imagination, I thought you'd just make it up, but the, you're talking about something more than just imagination. Well,
1: imagination, which is in many cases activated by you in your mind from your experiences, your desires, your intentions, but very quickly as it gets more vital, more filled with images, ideas, fun, explorations suddenly you find that you're in a deeper realm of your own consciousness, which is sometimes called the imaginal, the place of the potencies. If we look at you and me, and we said we wouldn't discuss this, but we should put it down, you and I are considered very odd because we do not particularly age. And it's not that we are, we have an awful lot of memory of history. I mean, I remember World War II quite vividly. But people, I go to my school, old school, my college events with my people who were at school with me in the 1950s and they think I'm my granddaughter, you know, and and you have a similar type of experience. What are we doing? What we are doing is having a different relationship to time.
0: Okay, so when I go to ski, because I'm old enough now, almost 80, and when I go to ski, I I think, well, an 80-year-old can't ski, but then I go back in my memories (laughs) of happy, beautiful times skiing down mountains, and then I can ski really well.
1: Yes, because those patterns are in you. You go to optimal templates, optimal patterns of the ideal skier, yes? Yes. And Plato spoke of this over 2,000 years ago when he talked about... The aidos, the aidos were the divine ideas, that everything had a potent, blueprint, divine idea in this universal mind, and that uh, we have access to it. The same thing, I just go into the place of youthening, and suddenly I'm not tired or haggard, and I just look. (laughs) Now, people would say, well, you have to really believe that stuff, and the fact is you do. And they say it's imagination. Yes, it is. But there's a certain point that imagination enters this realm of incredible potency, which we call the imaginal, that Carl Jung and others wrote so brilliantly about. And it's not just the creative unconscious. It's something more. It's where you join your universal self and you download the optimal templates that are there for you.
0: Now, you've used this with people to cure diseases and help them well, uh, get healthy. Yeah. And could, you wanna- well,
1: this is, again, you, you. this is where quantum physics is so much fun and insists that there are parallel universes, at least certain versions of it, and that we are ubiquitous throughout the universe, that there may be many, many, many versions of ourselves. The universe is really looking for the variations, the great continuum of different states of possibility within ourselves so one of my students Jennifer had terrible terrible Lyme tick disease the kind that kills you you know standard medicine was not being helpful at all so she I put her into an altered state and I said let us assume that there is another Jennifer who's perfectly healthy out there I want you to go and meet her And she happily went there, and uh, got there instantly because it's a hologram. It's not that you're flapping your your arms and flying over (laughs) the universe. (laughs) And she found someone. She called Jennifer Four, and Jennifer Four was in this amazing state of health. And I said, "Well, they must have the two. The two of you must have some kind of energetic resonance. And even if you don't believe it, suspend disbelief and believe." And sure enough. Within the field of sheer health this, of this other version of herself, she began to feel herself empowered to uh, not only an idea, but an actual feeling and practice of high health. So and Jennifer, Jennifer Four well, needed not- something, too. Because ah. uh, Jennifer One is a superb speaker. And she said, I, I need some of the gifts of speaking. And they had a little transfer that went on. And she went back a number of times. Well, within about two months or so after that, she was cured. Just completely cured. And it began happening right away. Now, people listening to this will say, well, why can't I do that? Why can't... Well, you know, belief is everything. Belief structures reality. I think one of the things that being around me and knowing me for a while and knowing that I have a very large belief system, people get engaged in saying suspending disbelief and going into a belief structure. It's, it's the same thing in physics, where they say, you know, the observer changes things by virtue of the observation. In different states of consciousness, we have a greater plenum, a spectrum of possibilities for observation than we have in our normal, everyday waking state.
0: So what about going into the future? Do you use time? Can you, like, transport yourself into the future well, you change can, or change
1: it? Well, you can go visiting, first of all. I mean, I often have sent people visiting different possible futures i mean, this is good old science fiction you know also <laughs> or going to a place where they have let's say a, a parallel, parallel world where they have worked out their issues that had been similar to ours oh. and people do come back with re- really remarkable ingenious ideas interesting enough there is a recurrent theme can you guess what it is of what happened that changed their their world when the world was in such trouble. It's women. It's the rise of women to full partnership with men in the whole domain of human affairs. And what that does is they see how women gathered together and said, We need a higher pattern. We need to make a world that works. The climate is gone berserkly, we've got to anyway, they go on and on with very similar issues that we have here. Now, you may say this is just them just reiterating today and has nothing to do with what's happening in another part of the cosmos. But they come back with tremendous ideas, but they begin to see why the Dalai Lama said that it was certain kinds of women in certain places that would save the world. So that is whether my research subject is a woman or a man, I've been amazed that this is the one thing, if I do this exercise, that keeps coming back.
0: I'm reminded when we went to Africa, we saw herds of elephants, and they said that planes would fly over the elephant herd Mm -hmm. to find ones, the males that had ivory tusks. Mm -hmm. And so the female elephants would take their ears and cover over the male tusks when the planes flew over. So I thought, wow, that's interesting that the males and females protect each other. Yes. I think there's a balance or a back and a, a forth. A very
1: deep balance, as, as we hope with our human <laughs> uh, species, that that is true to some extent. But the elephants, I, and I've known a fair number of elephants in my life, and they are very <laughs> wise beings. After all, they've actually been on the earth much longer than we have. Yes. And they have solved many, many problems. They're highly intelligent. We err greatly when we think of many in the animal and any of the other different species as lesser than ourselves. They are really different tribes, different nations, different ways of thinking and seeing and being, as people like Jane Goodall, for example, have shown so exquisitely.
0: So what else do you recommend people do with time to access more potency in their lives? Well,
1: one of the things they can do is a very simple exercise where they have an egg timer, and they put it on, let's say, two minutes or three minutes or one minute even. And they give themselves an imaginative task, an imaginable task to do something that would normally take longer. It doesn't have to be years, but they can do things to finish some idea. I mean, I've had more people finish their doctoral <laughs> dissertations <laughs> teaching them to do this. Because the interesting thing that when you are in the alternate time zone, you don't really bring along your heavy bag of regrets or doubts, you are much freer when you enter the other time zone. And so thus, finishing some piece of work that would normally, you would just slog away at and say, I can't do it, I'm so bored. You're in a different field of thinking, of feeling, of being, and ultimately of doing. This is also very effective, isn't it, with sports, whatever your sport is. I'm mean, i sure you've used this technique in your skiing sports, don't you?
0: Right, but what comes to mind is when I have a client that come to me with a problem, and they will spin out what their issue is, and I will just think, oh my gosh, there's no help. Nobody can help this person. They are so, they're just beyond, their problem is just unsolvable. And so then I open up to the universe, and I say, you guys have to help because I don't know how to do this. And in opening up that spaciousness, ideas come in. So I just let go of yes. me being in control and allow that. And then invariably, when I get that feeling, I know the therapy will be successful.
1: There you have it. That okay. would be an excellent representative example. Now, you had asked before about the future. Yes. And there are many, many futures. I mean, this is another part of quantum physics, that for any action, there can be a different kind of future. I don't know how I feel about that one, but the, the, the fact is that you can pattern, put patterns into your future that serve as a lure of becoming and that give you a different way of thinking and working and moving toward the future without getting involved in all the doubts, you know, in the sidetracks that we normally would would fall into. In my study, which has been considerable over many years, of people who seem to have an extraordinary level of, um, of good luck. Mm. And I find out, in many cases, it's just because they have a different view of their life. I mean, Margaret Mead, the anthropologist, who was not only a close friend, but she considered me one of her daughters, you know, the adopted daughter. And she spent a lot of time with us. I asked her... You are so lucky, so fortunate. I mean, luck just sort of seemed to be following her around all the time. (laughs) She thought of something and it happened, you know. I've never seen anybody so lucky. She said, yes, I am blessed. And I said, well, why are you so blessed? And she said, smiling benignly, because I expect to be. (laughs) And she lived in that state of really dramatic expectation of the good. And whenever it didn't happen, she'd start to yell at the cosmos, well, this is not right, that's wrong, no, no, this has to change now. And it was almost as if the universe said, yes, Dr. Mead, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And things would shift. uh, But I I have seen, with other people who've had this, this, this level of what we would consider remarkable good fortune, they also live within that harmonic of things... Flowing, creating, generating positive results. And they really believe it. And most of us think, when is the other shoe going (laughs) to (laughs) drop?
0: I heard that you have 11 different ways to transform time. I think in one of your salons you were talking about the eleven different ways. Mm-hmm. If people want to learn more about what you think about time, or if they want to sign up for one of your salons or whatever, do you? Is there? Well, how they would can they go to
1: genehouston.com.
0: Genehouston.com. Yeah, Gene
1: okay. is one word.com, and they will find their way into a website of mine and various opportunities. And in many of my books, I deal with some variation of this. Not to actually the degree that I'm discussing with you. A lot of my time research actually has not been published. Uh, Ah. Yeah. You're, You're getting a foretaste of it here.
0: So in the last few minutes that we have, you've been talking about the potent moment for a long time, Kairos. Unquestionably, we are at a time when we need this.
1: By the way, what you hear, and we're now, at this point, we are at the end of December, it, that's a woodpecker that has showed up here and is pecking away at the wood of my house. Now, you see, he has, he's lost in time, just like we are. So those things are this woodpecker lost in time and having arrived here, the woodpecker, at least, is some kind of pecking bird. So that's we are here. We get lost in time. And that's a marvelous analogy to where we are. Because so many people feel that we are in lost time. We are in a time of negative kairos. We're in a time of uh, systemic breakdown. Not realizing that right underneath it, we are being buoyed up by a new future that is rushing towards us if we can see it, if we can grab it, if we can begin to live in it. Thank you, Mr. Bird, out there. I
0: think that's a wake-up knock.
1: <laughs> and that's a wake-up knock, knock from, from the deeper realms of consciousness,
0: this coming is
1: great. at at just the moment. The bird started this, you know, but the fact that he only arrives ever so often, he arrived right now. You see, that's Kairos time, to tell us that, strange as it is, the middle, of, the end of December, he is still full of hope, and is <laughs> <laughs> trying to build a nest up there.
0: So in the last few minutes, is there any final words of wisdom that you'd like to...
1: Words of wisdom, such a strange phrase. You know, it puts you on a a terrible kind of beachhead of unknowing. Because, (laughs) frankly, there are so many different words. Well, I would go back to spiritual words. and, And the great poem that goes, The human heart can go to the lengths of God. Dark and cold we may be, but this is no winter now. The frozen misery of centuries cracks, breaks, begins to move. The thunder is the thunder of the flood, the flow, the upstart spring. Thank God our time is now when wrong comes up to meet us everywhere, never to leave us till we take the longest stride of soul, folk ever took. Affairs are now soul-sized. The enterprise is exploration into God. What are you making for? It takes so many thousand years to wake, but shall we wake? For pity's sake. This is the time of awakening. This is Cairo's time.
0: Thank you, Jean, very much for sharing your wisdom with us and being on the show.
1: Thank you, Jane.
0: So you don't miss any of our shows. Make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.